uh, crypto is or can be a new kind of money, uh, changing the financial industry, changing the way that we transact and kind of how we define the bottom line of our, our economic traffic. The second view that we want to take is a much broader one where we're, we're saying that tokens are a new value model. Um, which means that we can change the digital economy, the way the internet works, the way that we define what is valuable, uh, who can have value, and how we can kind of distribute that. Um, and to talk about that today, I brought Jana along with me, uh, also because she's uh, involved in a very interesting uh, project in microfinancing and token economics. Uh, so we'll hear a little bit more about that as well. Um, so first of all, to start, um, yeah, you already said you enjoyed the event. How were your first days in London? Uh, anything interesting that came up? South America, where I spent three weeks exploring the blockchain cryptocurrency space over there. I would recommend everyone to look into that regions because there is a real urgency for cryptocurrencies. So this is the difference between Europe where you have sort of only traders because people don't need cryptocurrencies for t in order to survive. But over there, like in countries such as Venezuela, people are literally using Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash or Dash, which is pretty interesting to see. So, and apart from that, like uh, yesterday, obviously, like I went to some bar and uh, I had wine and uh, then I paid uh, five pounds for the wine. And uh, what caught my interest, the s on the banknote it says, I promised to pay the beer on demand the sum of five pounds. And this is what made me intrigued because like, what does it mean? Does it mean like that the paper has a value or because I don't think the paper which is uh, which we consider to be a banknote has a value of five pounds. So I really wonder like where does the value of five pounds go or yeah. can you explain more? Yeah and, and also I think how that kind of relates to how we think about tokens. I think one of the things people generally skip over or don't realize is that whatever we use as money today is it's already a representation of value right that piece of paper indeed doesn't have an intrinsic value of five pounds or 10 20 or even a hundred um back in the days when we started to create money and i think this was like in the 15th or 16th century when paper money was coming up um, but even before that when we had gold coins, maybe they had an intrinsic value Then we had copper coins which was already Representing some value, but it was still rare and had some value Then I think the Chinese started with paper money and everyone laughed at them like how can that how can that work? Um, and it worked because we created all kinds of rules around it um, And after that we actually already digitized money. I think uh, I heard yesterday from someone that here in the UK uh, of uh, only 4% of the of transactions are made with cash and the rest is already digital. So we already kind of have a digital currency that means that we're exchanging something that only represents a value. So I think it's good to already state that money as we know it is already an abstraction. If we then think about tokens and about that exchange, right? A wine for a few pounds. We can say, hey, can we use tokens to make that money side of the equation more? Uh, more efficient or more fair uh, and I think that's one of the things we're going to talk about with Jana But what about if we can we use also tokens to change the way that we exchange that wine? Can we can we take money maybe out of the equation or how can we think about that value because the value is in the wine, right? You want that you are thirsty you want to have a good time and that's kind of related to the to the second uh, view um, 
so um, I think we should, uh, yeah, we should hear a little bit about the project yeah. that, that you are doing uh, yeah. and how you're using token economics on that financial side of things to, let's say, solve a problem. Uh, so my views on token economic models is like I believe the cryptocurrency can become a better money because as mentioned I, I was exploring emerging markets and it's uh, I'm you know like for those people it's uh, the access to financial services non-existent they cannot enjoy the like they don't even have a bank account like many of them there are 1.7 billion uh, people in the world who are unbanked and they're unbanked because for the banks, it's just so expensive to bank them, to provide them with a bank account, because they don't have enough funds to provide enough, in, I mean, to, to pay the bank back in the fees. So this is a huge problem. And with cryptocurrencies, the project I'm involved with is a microfinancing project. And basically what we are doing, we are uh, my, we are providing micro loans for the farmers in Mexico and the way it works is a blockchain based platform where anyone from the Western world can become investor or lender as you, as you wish and we managed to mitigate the interest rate for the farmers from 80% to 25% and why this is the case because when you consider microfinance in emerging markets it's uh, very expensive with high interest rates because you operate local money at first place, there is a lot of administration, there is a lot of audits involved, and you have to pay those people who are doing the administration and the, and the audit, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, average loan is like $1,000. So it's very difficult to um, deliver the money to Mexico, for instance, because the fees, when you are sending $1,000, just get too high. So therefore, cryptocurrencies with uh, low transaction fees and with being uh, uh, accessible worldwide might be the best solution for those people. All right. So, um, of course, I know a little bit about, about the project, but if I understand it correctly, what, what you're doing there is you're, you're combining a group of local producers that have some value to create, whether it is food or, or other uh, produce, who, but who don't have access to traditional financial services, and you kind of um, get them in touch with people who have some money to invest, but don't get enough return on investment if they would just put that in a savings account over here. So, um, of course, there's value in bringing those groups together, but tell us a little bit more about how you're using also tokenization there to solve several problems. You already mentioned the transaction fees, but what other ways are you using a token on that platform to kind of make that work? Mm, basically, token in our case is only a second layer to create incentives. It's very important to say that the loan is not performed with some ERC20 token. It wouldn't make any sense to create money out of thin air and to turn it into loan formally, right? So the loan is uh, either in Ethereum or Bitcoin. And uh, the token layer I'm talking about, which creates incentives, is a layer which makes borrowers to pay better. So this is the way how we can mitigate the default risk. And uh, it uh, incentivizes lenders to invest more over time. Because when you have some money in your savings bank account and you want to lend those money to some Mexican farmer, I mean, you can lend your money like once, once a month, let's say 1,000 uh, pounds. 
But uh, the thing is that the total addressable market as it comes to borrowers in emerging markets is just huge. We don't know how many people are there who are interested in, in loans. But the point is that we struggle with lenders a bit. Because uh, imagine like if I, would, uh, if I were to approach you saying, look, here is like this platform, take your money from a savings bank account and lend them to someone. So there is like social impact. And also other thing is that in your savings bank account you get maybe half percent per year as a reward where bank, bank says, okay, thanks for having your money with us and they lend your money further and this is how they make profit, right? So I cut it off, but back to topic. Uh, if I were to approach you saying that, okay, take your money from the savings bank account and invest here in the platform and you get a 15% return investment, you might not believe me because this just sounds too good to be true, right? But it might be true, because as I mentioned, uh, high interest rates in emerging economies and loans, it's, uh, it's a reality, it's a daily mm -hmm. reality of many people. Okay, so you're already saying you're using the technology and tokenization to reduce transaction fees, as well as creating an incentive model. Instead of doing a rating afterwards, you're trying to influence behavior upfront to be in line kind of with, with the platform. Um, now I know, because we, we spoke obviously before, uh, is that there's also, you also thought about cultural aspects in this. You're starting with a community in Mexico, but obviously thinking about expanding. How does uh, culture play uh, into the way you're using thanks incentives for, and tokens. Thanks for touching this point. <laughs> I mean, this is very interesting. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar. Uh, in the peer-to-peer -peer lending, microfinancing, the credit risk assessment is a big thing. And when we are talking about unbanked markets, is you know, banks. When I uh, when I speak to some bankers, and uh, I tell them that look, we are going to microfinance unbanked people. They just laugh at me because uh, then the, uh, we have a discussion around how do we do credit score. And I tell them, you know, we might be using Airbnb approach. So over time, you know, we open up to any borrower in the world, we set the limits for them. And over time, when they accumulate enough score, then we don't care much if they exit scam. So pretty similar system as you have with Airbnb. Also Airbnb, when they started, they had few scandals like in the US, someone organized a big party in some house. But it didn't, it didn't affect the reputation of the platform itself. So this is one thing uh, we are thinking of. But currently, we are using communities. Uh, because in Mexico, like due to proximity of the farmers, it works pretty well. So they are unbanked, and they are clustered into communities by 20 people. And there is one person who is sort of liable in case something goes wrong. What was interesting, and this relates to the culture, mm -hmm. is that we wouldn't be able to do this in Kenya, for instance. Because in Kenya, people were slaughtering each other not such a long time ago. So over there, we have to use completely different approach when speaking about unbanked people and microfinancing. So it's not, there is no platform which would be completely universal and scalable and which would provide uh, loans to all the unbanked people in the world. Because we have to have also the knowledge of the culture and the credit score is a big thing and it's still a lot of discussion. There is no like one structure, how do you do the credit score in unbanked environment. All right, so thanks for, um, for talking a bit about, about the project and uh, how you're basically 
yeah, trying to redistribute value from, yeah, let's say our side of the world where we are pretty lucky and, and spoiled towards uh, farmers who can really need some extra financing. So um, I also want to look a little bit at the other side of uh, what we said. So this is like the money side, but the value side, um, which is how can we use token economics to kind of change the way that we think about value and what is uh, what's valuable. Um, and I think also in, let's say, the developed world, uh, using tokens, uh, tokenization and blockchain technology is actually a very logical step from where we are now. Especially if you look at how the internet came up and how we're using it. Uh, in principle, it, the internet is open and accessible for everyone, but at the same time we've seen through uh, the e-commerce and the existence of very large platforms is that not just uh, power is concentrating, uh, but also data is concentrating. And we all know that data is also value. Um, so to me, it makes a lot of sense looking at platforms that uh, like Amazon and Alibaba or Uber and Airbnb that have a huge concentration of what they know about people and what they are able to collect and potentially profit upon, um, that we start thinking about different models there as well, uh, especially because we've seen in the recent years that there was some problems, there have been hacks, um, there have been data that's yeah. sold. So okay, we need I to fix it as well. Yeah, like uh, many people perceive Uber or Airbnb as like the next step towards sharing economy. But uh, when we think of it on a bigger scale, it's not sharing economy what they are doing because Uber charging commission of 25%. This is not like very much into sharing. And uh, I heard different expression for Uber like platforms and it's like sort of aggregated economy. Mm -hmm. And I think it describes it very yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. What I also think is, uh, you know, a good example of to explain what what I mean here is is, is having a look at Facebook. Um, if you look at Facebook from an input of value and output of value perspective, um, obviously they had to build the platform, uh, otherwise it wouldn't wouldn't be there. But the majority of the value that's inside Facebook is actually created by the users every single day because they post there what, what they're doing. They're taking photos, they, they, they make that platform attractive for our advertisers. But the, the only one who's taking value out of Facebook is, is Facebook by reselling data to, uh, for example, Cambridge Analytics or, or, or you know, selling that space towards advisors. Um, so, I mean, that's not obviously not the only value that, that's created, but there, it is skewed, right? The average person who's co-creating to the value of Facebook is not getting that much value out of it. And I think that um, there are a lot of situations where it can be very relevant to rethink that. And um, I would like to uh, uh, yeah, quote also um, a famous economist uh, named De Soto, who said that uh, value is basically everywhere. But the problem is, as soon as we don't register value or we don't acknowledge value, it kind of becomes useless because it becomes invisible. And if it's invisible, it becomes untradeable. Um, and I think that's, that's relevant in a lot of cases where people have value, uh, but because they cannot register it on a bank account or because it's not uh, acknowledged by uh, the major corporations or governments as a means of exchange, that value is locked up for them and they cannot participate in the economy with it and make more money out of it. Um, I would say that there are a lot of assets in the world <coughs> which have no liquidity and therefore we don't recognize them as an asset. 
because like the reward for like when you trade something like really small and it costs like maybe five cents or something obviously the f all the fees around the trading they get way higher than what the value of the asset is right but with cryptocurrency based platforms we can mitigate the fees because we don't have to use banking systems and therefore solutions for what Barry just described might be possible yeah and um, I mean, also looking back at, uh, and I'm curious what kind of talks you also heard over the past uh, two days, but I, what to me is really interesting, except for you know, ha just having the means of exchange in a, in a money way, is thinking about, indeed, how can we create liquidity in markets? So I've, I've heard about examples of being able to share your bandwidth and computing power that you have on, on your computer and being, a, being rewarded for it. And I guess the same is value for, val uh, valid for whatever skill, knowledge, or physical asset that you have. If it becomes more easy for you to contribute that, then we can have a much more inclusive economy. And I think that goes beyond just finance. I think that's in, that's in, in the music industry. We already see it in gaming as well. There's some interesting platforms coming up there. And yeah, my expectation is that that will go beyond those industries. Do you have an interesting example from the past days or maybe before that you've seen that's kind of transforming the way that we can exchange this type of assets? Um. Uh, yesterday, I saw an interesting talk about creating incentives around, you know, on the coastlines, there is a lot of uh, trash. And uh, there are some people who are collecting it, like from NGOs. But uh, overall, like the amount of, uh, of trash is just too huge. So there is uh, some initiative who was able to create incentives with cryptocurrencies. I mean, and uh, they operate, I think, in the Philippines. So basically, people get rewarded by picking up some small things from the coastline or from the beaches. So really, I mean, you, some people might perceive this, that OK, they created money out of thin air because they issued some cryptocurrency. And they are now rewarding people because they are doing something. But uh, as a result, then when the cryptocurrency has a liquidity, so it's tradable on the markets, then the 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 more people are, are being rewarded and the more uh, velocity the cryptocurrency has, the, there is a lot of potential for the increase of the value of the cryptocurrency in the markets because people are actually using it and there is a traction, there is a velocity. So I really like the example. I mean, Yeah, I, I agree that, that, that it, it opens up possibilities where they weren't there any uh, before and, and I think one a great example um, that I know as well has to do with uh, data analytics and, and AI. We all we all know that if you have a very uh, homogeneous group of people training uh, algorithms, um, the results are less than than desirable. Uh, and there's a there's a great uh, startup in Amsterdam as well. You're you're familiar with them as well, who are using uh, blockchain technology and, and token economics to create a completely heterogeneous, geographically uh, distributed group of, let's say, algorithm trainers. Uh, and at the same time, those trained algorithms are then sold using a similar platform again. Um, and those people who are verifying data sets and, and kind of training the algorithms get, get rewarded for that. I think that's a really cool and very practical example of um, yeah, how you say it? Making markets more inclusive and, and accessible to people. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and as a conclusion remark, I would say, you know, there is this famous statement, this time it's different. 
and it relates to like um, it relates to that uh, there were many initiatives in the past which were trying to change the system sort of you know because banks have been around since 500 years I think and uh, but it it has never been different in fact because we uh, we might not be able to improve banks in order to uh, create a better world but I would love to see that this time it will be for sure different. So that this time we'll be able to create a better moneta monetary systems for many countries by using cryptocurrencies, for instance, or blockchain-based platforms. Yeah, and I, of course, and I think we can all agree that, that change is scary for, uh, for most of the people, um, but um, that it's very necessary to do things absolutely different to, to kind of make, uh, to make some progress. Um, at the same time, we cannot change the world at once, um, but we do, we do need, to, need to give these models a chance, uh, even if it's on a very small scale, trying out these models and how we can, uh, uh, let's say, exchange value in a different way. Uh, and uh, what, I, what I would like uh, everyone to kind of take away from, from this chat is that uh, it's very easy to blindly stare at cryptocurrency and that it's supposed to be a different kind of money, but I think that's limiting the possibilities of what we can do with this capability of tokenization tremendously, uh, and it might actually limit in, in what we can do in the next few years. So I hope everyone can, can broaden up that scope and, and think about value in a, in, a, in a much more inclusive way. So I think our time is up. I see a big counter uh, in front of me. I don't know if there's someone from the organization uh, coming to kick us away. If not, then uh, we can always do some questions uh, from the audience until we are forced to leave. Yeah. Maybe let's take one short question. If there is any. There's any. None. Okay, well okay. then we did a good job. Uh, feel free to approach us. Okay. We will be staying here all the day. All right. Oh, there is a question, yeah. Um, okay, I'll keep it short. Okay, uh, so the question was, I said that uh, Uber is not sharing economy, but rather aggregated economy. And if I could elaborate on it, so yeah, of course I can. Uh, my point was that with Uber charging a commission of 25%, 30%, whatever, it's, um, and also like, uh, okay, other way around. So with them charging these commissions, with blockchain, we can create a true peer-to-peer -peer platform, so sort of sharing economy. Because with blockchain, we can only charge what blockchain needs, so what the platform needs, only the operational maintenance costs, which can be like half percent. Because there will be no central authority deciding upon the percentage. Because Uber, I know, I know like quite a few cities where Uber increased from 25% to 30%, all of a sudden, you know, because they, they like the idea of earning more. And also for us, like the microfinancing platform, is, it exists. And we are facilitating microloans for like 60 people so far. We are ready to scale up. We aim for completely decentralized um, governance because we don't want anyone to have a power over the interest rate we'll be charging the borrowers. All right. Not even so maybe you guys can also just grab a coffee after this session because I think we really have to move on. In, in short, I think it really is about you know letting go that we need to 
I'd say, bundle or you know, get economies of scale for everything before we can sell it onwards, but it can actually happen one-to-one. -one. I'm going to leave you guys with that uh, uh, so we can continue on with the program. Thank you for your time, and uh, we'll see you around.